This is not an exaggeration. Everybody dies. Hello and welcome to the Afterspark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers Part 2. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. Today we're going to be talking about episode number 43, The Golden Lagoon. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yep. And today we open with the Autobots walking along a beach and Perceptor finding a rock. And proceeding to nerd out about said rock and its unique properties. The rock has both elements of gold and silver in it. We've struck it rich. <laughs> Blitzwing orders Thrust and Ramjet to attack a group of Autobots looking at Perceptor's rock. So, yeah, these guys have been lurking somewhere in the background. I have to ask you, do they want the gold and silver? Because, my good dudes, you just need to sell some, like, patents and shit, and you'd be probably all set money-wise. Bragging rights, maybe? I mean, these guys seem like the sort of dudes that would just go and pick up a mini-bot and like shake him upside down to get his lunch money <laughs> okay but can you just imagine that they basically go back to base and are like we stole perceptor's rock <laughs> oh possibly we stole perceptor uh, well yes i know i just imagine him just stealing stealing the rock <laughs> so uh power glide takes to the air to fight thrust Meanwhile, Ramjet can't win in a fight against a hoverboat, as Sea Spray both outmaneuvers him and drives him into the drink. Then we get some tank-on-tank -tank action, as Blitzwing takes on Warpath. <sighs> Perceptor calls for Beachcomber's aid, but apparently Beachcomber has bailed on this fight. I mean, the vibes were just getting him down, man. Beachcomber exits some sort of cave that he apparently entered, and then basically... Enters a lush, verdant, hidden glade he calls a paradise. I want to know why no one can see this from the air, because this is very visible from the air. You can see the sky. Yeah, like, there- and, and I think what makes this even funnier is, like, at the start of this fight, there were literally no less than four fucking planes in the air. <laughs> yep. So our- Robotic Dr. Doolittle Beachcomber speaks Burb, Fox, Deer, Bunny, and somehow Armadillo. He's even able to pet the deer. I do know how skittish those fuckers are. Super skittish. Beachcomber ignores his communicator and investigates a nearby small lake. A small, suspiciously colored lake. There's no good way to be delicate about this, guys. It's urine colored. <sighs> Beachcomber, throwing caution and common sense to the wind, dips his entire hand into it. It turns gold, and he exclaims that it's Electrum. We'll get back to this later. <laughs> Moving right along. Back in the fray, Ramjet gets his revenge, coming out of the water underneath sea spray. The two tanks have to unbury themselves from the sand they have apparently inadvertently got buried in. Yep, it looks like everyone's having a pretty bad beach day all around. And then the ground around Beachcomber in his said hidden blade begins shaking and he transforms and heads back into the tunnel that he had entered the glade from. Surprised that uh, things didn't end badly for any of the critters, but I think he would have been very distraught. Probably. As if prophesized, a thrust spots the lake from the air and lands to examine it. He decides he wants to be the shiniest and dives into the lake, turning him completely gold. The Midas touch of robots, and also how deep is this stupid thing? Oh yes, we get, we, we comment on that later. 
Beachcomber makes it back, and Perceptor is understandably a little frustrated that he had bailed on the middle of a freaking fight. Mm-hmm. Sea Spray is able to shoot Ramjet down, but Thrust arrives seemingly invulnerable with his fancy new gold coating. None of which stops Perceptor from trying to shoot him with his handy-dandy hand missile. The Autobots attempt different attacks against Thrust, but eventually flee, leaving Perceptor and Sea Spray behind. Thrust miraculously grows what we can only describe as claws and then scoops Perceptor up while in jet mode and flies off with him. It's honestly pretty silly looking, if I remember right. Yeah, it looked pretty silly. Yeah, Perceptor and Sea Spray are brought to the con base. Megatron gloats and Thrust is like, Hey guys, I found a ton of Electrum! <laughs> and then Starscream says he needs proof of Thrust's claim, but Megatron responds with, I don't care what you need! You know, it's been a while since I was- I feel like it's been a while since we've seen these two idiots bicker like this. Yeah, because I didn't really do it during the, um, shoot, the Constructicon brainwashing thing. Yeah, like, you know, normally I felt like that was a situation where they'd start bickering, but instead Megatron was like, no, 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 sweetie, we've got an escape route. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, Megatron and Starscream bicker further as they arrive at the Electrum Fountain. Megatron volunteers Starscream as the first test subject for the Electrum. Starscream seems, you know, quite hesitant, dipping one foot into the water until Megatron tells him to go. And then Starscream proceeds to jump in like a six-year-old, holding his nose and doing a weirdly adorable cannonball. It is very, very stupidly cute. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Starscream exits, and I'm pretty sure Megatron just wanted an excuse to shoot him in the face here. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, But like Thrust, Starscream is invulnerable even to fusion cannon blasts once he's got his shiny gold coat. The other two Seekers and Megatron jump into the pool too. And uh, once they're all back out, uh, they all proceed to shoot each other to test out their invulnerability. (laughs) In a shot that truly looks like a rave party. It does. Like... There's lots of lasers and glowy lights, and everyone's just kind of flailing around like twits. And it really cracks me up, because I swear to God, the first thing that happens when Megatron gets out of the pool is Starscream shoots him in the face and laughs. (laughs) (sighs) The poor animals are cowering as all of these shots bounce off the cons and bounce out into the glade itself, doing, you know, lots of damage. As you would expect from giant robot fucking lasers. Mm -hmm. Elsewhere, a group of Autobots prepare a rescue mission. The group is comprised of Warpath, Powerglide, Smokescreen, Beachcomber, and Mirage. Beachcomber has not told anyone about the Electrum Spring and is hiding his gold hand. Then, of course, we cut back to the cons, uh, who we see have all taken a dip in the Electrum. When giant robots go swimming, does this count as skinny dipping? Are they now considered to be wearing something if it's a coating? I just have one thing to say to you. Gold member! (laughs) Oh, God. So, all of these, you know, spruced-up cons attack the rescue party. Obviously, the Decepticons continue to not take any fucking damage right now. Yep, Mirage turns invisible and heads back for some reinforcements. And then the smoke screen generates smoke, and Megatron shows off his problem-solving skills. With enough bullets, you can solve anything, or at least hit smokescreen in his cloud of smoke. Yep. And the entire group of Autobots is captured, save for Mirage, who did make it back to base and rallied reinforcements. The Autobot reinforcements don't seem to be too worried about the invulnerable cons at all, with Sunstreaker's response boiling down to hit them harder. Yep. 
Oh, he's not thinking with his head there, is he? He's taken out almost immediately and ends up upside down in car mode. So I'd say you didn't hit them very hard, wouldn't you? Well, did more damage to him. So as their shots continue to bounce off the cons, Beachcomber says that they found the Golden Lagoon. That's not a lagoon. A lagoon really needs to be connected to an o to the ocean or some other body of water. I mean, that was a glorified puddle. At best. At the Decepticon base, Starscream is mugging for the camera, singing the praises of Electrum. Sea Spray and Perceptor as a entertainment are made to fight each other. Soundwave's like, yo, this is not sanctioned by HR to Starscream. You did not do the paperwork or get the approval for the Starscream at all. Nope. And Starscream just sort of waves him off and doesn't seem to care what Megatron's gonna think. Mm-hmm. Soundwave leaves the room, presumably to report Starscream's aft for HR violations. The few remaining Autobots then ask Omega Supreme for help, while Beachcomber heads back to the Lagoon. Perceptor and Sea Spray shoot out a wall and attempt an escape, but are stopped at the elevator when Megatron exits with Blitzwing and Beachcomber. Because if we didn't specify before, Beachcomber got captured when he returned to the Lagoon. Yeah. Megatron gets pissy at Starscream for his insubordination and says that he gets the honor of getting chucked into battle against Omega Supreme first. Even Omega Supreme's blasts are unable to damage the cons, unfortunately. So, really wasn't much of a punishment. Megatron wants to finish Omega off personally, and considering he and Starscream are bickering this episode, it's Soundwave that gets the honor this go-around. Yep, one shot from Megatron's alt mode knocks Omega on his back. When we return from the commercial break, Starscream is standing on top of Omega Supreme like a big game hunter after a kill. Yeah, Starscream does not have much in the way of taste. Taste, tact, subtlety. <laughs> yeah. Back at the Autobot base, Teletran 1 warns the Autobots about Electrum, and Optimus orders survey teams to be sent out to find it. Powerglide drags his ass out of the water back onto the beach from the beginning of the episode, and spots the cons flying to the Golden Lagoon. He reports back to Prime, and then we cut to the Decepticon base. Megatron tells Starscream he can do whatever he wants with the Autobot prisoners. Skywarp enters Beachcomber's cell, but Beachcomber gets the drop on him and incapacitates both him and Thundercracker. Beachcomber, stealth geologist, because he was, he was like clinging to the ceiling <laughs> yeah, or something. I'm like, oh boy, you got skills. <laughs> he does. He does. He then releases Perceptor and Sea Spray, and they attempt another escape. And at this point, they have stolen uh, some mill rays, or <laughs> the guns the Seekers wear on their arms. Yeah. This time they succeed, because Sea Spray is very well suited to be on the water. And the three arrive back at the Golden Puddle, just in time for Long Haul to dump a bunch of empty barrels on Dirge and tell him to fill them up. Everyone's pushing work on everyone else. Dirge is not happy about being left to guard the Electrum by himself, but he doesn't give very much time to uh, explain or complain about anything as Sea Spray pulls him into the bushes. All the scientists are feral in this episode, and I, for one, love it. <laughs> yep. Perceptor and Sea Spray steal both of his guns. Thankfully, Optimus and Co. arrive just afterwards. Then it's time for the Autobot Pool Party! <laughs> as they, too, jump in and get all glammed up. The Decepticons realize they've been duped when the Ark is empty and filled with dummies and not even the interesting moving clothed dummies that 
like we're at the beginning of the series <laughs> and no not the dinobots either yep i think they get along with um beachcomber though i would hope so i don't know if we ever really see them interact though i don't either i just i think they would get along i think that would be a fun team up to watch yeah Ah, so the Decepticons turn around and head back to the Golden Lagoon, only to uh, arrive to find some glammed-out Autobots, including a whole ass Omega Supreme. I don't even know how they managed that. I guess the water must be really deep, because he, what, he comes straight out of it? Like, yeah. he's been crouched in it? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, predictably, a fight ensues. Of course, no one shots him doing anything and further bouncing off of them. And lighting the surviving environment, the surrounding environment on fire that wasn't already trash. The Electrum on the Decepticons begins to wear off and the battle changes in favor of the Autobots. Yep. Megatron, much like a toddler, decides that if the cons can't have the Lagoon, then they're going to blow it the shit up on their way out. Uh, this reveals that the Lagoon was pretty wide, but... Honestly, not that deep. Like, it certainly wasn't deep enough for Omega Supreme to go sit in it. Or, frankly, I don't even think that, like, Starscream should have been able to, like, dive in there. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with any of this. But the cons retreat. And we end with Beachcomber looking very sad in the destroyed glade. And the music that's happening here really does not match the somber mood. Yeah, because it sounds like hopeful and kind of happy. You know, normal end of the episode music. Yeah. But that's it for this episode. So join us next time for Quest for Survival, where Autobots are in desperate need of a gardener and poor Cosmos is stuck in a very unfortunate situation. Yep. Some things need some trimming and poor Cosmos is a bit, a bit caught in the middle. Yeah. So today we have two fanfic recommendations. The first is Favorable Contributions by Tia Matt Child, which is set in the G1 cartoon continuity. It's rated K. It's Jen, more or less, but uh, pairing-wise it's Beachcomber and Perceptor, and our characters are Beachcomber and Perceptor. In summary, knowing Beachcomber is fraught with peril. <laughs> Embarrassing peril. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the theme here is it's beachcomber in nature, sometimes embarrassing. <laughs> and it's a one-shot. This was something that I read a while ago, and it's, it's cute and it's fun, and there may or may not be an alligator involved. <laughs> or possibly a crocodile. Giant robots getting treed by a big reptile anyway. <laughs> well, we know, do know giant reptiles are their biggest weakness if the dinosaur episode <laughs> where the Decepticons were getting mowed down is any indication. Yeah. Very much so. And the second recommendation is One Step at a Time by One Starry Night. Continuity, it's a G1 cartoon continuity. It's rated K, Gen, there are no pairings, and the characters are Beachcomber, Perceptor, Powerglide, Warpath, and Sea Spray, though Sea Spray doesn't really say anything. He's just hanging out. And this is specifically following the events of the Golden Lagoon, uh, in summary, Perceptor figures out a way to cheer Beachcomber up. And I picked this one because it's an episode follow-up, which Beachcomber getting some closure would be nice. Right? Right? Instead of him just being sad. Yep. And this one is a one-shot. So let's go over to Elves. All right. Our 
fan artist for today is Sarah Stone or Farron. Uh, they do prime the the stuff I'm recommending anyway is mostly prime fan art, but they are actually an official artist from the IDW Windblade run, which is very very pretty if you have not seen it, and I do recommend reading it. Um, Star Scream is a bastard, but hopefully you're used to that at this point. Yeah. Um, as I said, we've only linked some prime fan art. Uh, we have a collection of Decepticons and glasses. Nice. And then we have a human former sound wave, which might be my favorite human former sound wave design. It's his design from Prime, and he kind of looks like a weird sci-fi magey thing. It looks neat, uh, complete with a with an actual bird laser beak. And then uh, we have Ratchet and a knockout knock in a fight. <laughs> Knockdown, drag out, doctor fight. Apparently, yeah, they just. They both look like they're going to trash each other. Oh, yeah. She is a Farin pickpocket on DeviantArt and Instagram. She is just Farin on Twitter. And then on Tumblr, her Tumblr is Monster Boys and Robots, although be warned, she is not updated there in over two years. Mm -hmm. So I think she's still fairly active on Instagram and Twitter. If you do want to follow her, I would check there first. Any other links will be available on our Tumblr. Yep. And just... I would like to know that her colors are gorgeous. They are. I I was trying to figure out because I couldn't remember if she did the colors for the Windblade run or if somebody else was the colorist. We can't remember, but the colors are super gorgeous in the Windblade run. It's part of why it's so pretty. Yes. Um. So she didn't do it. The, whoever the colorist was for that one did a fantastic job. Yeah. Also, you know, just side mention, the cutest Waspinator in existence is in that run. I just want you all to know this. She does have a very cute waspinator. He's your fuzzy boy! Mm -hmm. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcasts such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Spex. And I'm Els. Toodles! <laughs>